The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pull, the Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. It's our 2020 shortstop preview here on Fantasy Baseball Today. I am stressed out. This position, it stresses me out, guys. I I like it. But why? I, I'm Ryan going... But why? Ryan Reynolds joke? Jif. Oh, Jif. But why? I don't know. You are so... You are the Jif King. I can't... You're the Jif King, Scott. That's probably my most used Jif. Thanks for following me, Adam. <laughs> I do follow you. It's from... Uh... Harold and Kumar, right? No. I think so. He's in that? No, he's not in that. You know... No, it's from, it's from that Christmas movie. It's from Just it's Friends. Like, Just Friends, Yeah. yeah. You know, let me tell you something, Scott. If it's really your favorite GIF and you use it all the time, you should probably know what movie it's from, okay? Just a little word of advice there. So, um, I'm going to look this up. All right. Here, here's why. Short okay, Ryan Reynolds plays a male nurse and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, and he's wearing scrubs when he says, but why? I'm pretty sure it's from Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> okay, Chris, then you totally misled me. All right, listen. Here's why shortstop stresses me out. I'm giving it a nickname. It is the FOMO position, the fear of missing out position. Because, like, yeah, there's there's four guys that go in the first round, maybe five, you know, depending on where Tatis is going to go. And then there's Carlos Correa and Marcus Simeon, who was a top five hitter in points leagues last year. And there's Alberto Montesi, who, who could steal 65 bases if he stays healthy. And there's... Uh, Corey Seager, who's going like the 13th round or something like that. There's just so many players that I want at this position. There's Glaber Torres, who obviously you can play at second base. There's Xander Bogarts. There's uh, Bo Bichette, who's got a ton of potential. You know, there's Manny Machado. So I don't know. You know, obviously, how you gotta, can you miss out? Well, you you miss out on value. There's those wow. guys in the first round are so enticing. They're so good. But mm. you're you're passing up value. Now, of course, if you play in a deeper league with middle infield, then okay, then that solves the problem, I guess. But even then, you know, if you take two in your first eight picks or something like that, that's not necessarily a great way to build a roster. So, you know, I think there's a lot of ways you can go at shortstop, and it stresses me out. Yeah. What stresses me out is that I said Ryan Reynolds plays a male nurse because that's how it's listed on imdb.com. <laughs> I could have just said nurse, right? Oh, Somebody's yeah. not going to like that. No, anyway, okay. um, 
Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I uh, I am reluctant to fill that position too soon, but uh, particularly if you're talking about a traditional 5x5 five five league, some of those early ones are going to be among your main steel sources. So it's. I think it's. it may be difficult to wrap your head around the idea of drafting a shortstop as like a utility player, but I think there are so many that it's it's certainly... It's certainly something to consider. You're, you're not stuck with just one. Sure. Yeah, I have no none of those concerns in at least a roto league. In a head-to-head league where you don't have as many lineup spots, I could see being concerned, but I actually don't have any concerns about missing out a shortstop in a roto league because there's so many guys who are multi-eligible as well that you can kind of build the core of your team around several shortstops. That's what I did in one league. Uh, I think I went in like my first six picks. I had Correa was a 14 team league and I ended up with VR Correa Bregman and Simeon, who I think was in the eighth round. And so I, yeah, I just kind of, I was able to fill my second, third short and middle infield spots from just the shortstop pool. And, my team is pretty awesome. Mm. Uh, well, that is interesting if you can slide around to other positions. Uh, so that that certainly helps. And there's a lot of really good players. I'm definitely not worried about missing out on having a good shortstop. I'm missing out on, on not ha- on having good value and not having, I guess, enough good shortstops. But hey, if that's what you're worried about, draft multiple shortstops. I think that's what we're saying here. Now, how important is it to get one of the elite shortstops? Bregman who can play third base, Lindor, Story, Turner, Tatis, maybe even Bogarts. He was elite last year, but he goes a little bit later. But Bregman, Lindor, Story, Turner, Tatis, these are among the top 12 hitters being drafted right now in Roto League, Scott. So, mm-hmm. you know, sort those five out. I, I mean, I don't think it's important to draft one because we're, we're saying there's... Um, there's so much depth here, particularly at the high end. I, I consider third base to be the deepest position, but I consider shortstop to probably be the most star-studded position. So it's it's difficult not to get a star here. But I do think if you're just talking about I need to secure steals early, it's very likely you're going to draft one of these. I mean, the biggest four, as far as that goes, are... Uh, Lin, well, the biggest four in terms of their elite shortstops and they also steal bases are Lindor, Story, Trey Turner, of course, and Fernando Tatis, who all will go within the first two rounds. Uh, so you'd have to commit to it pretty early. But given the scarcity of steals, I think that's that's uh, probably a good way to go. I would also say Alex Bregman, who is among this elite group and isn't necessarily expected to deliver much in steals. Though it wouldn't surprise me if he had double digits, certainly within his capability. I, I think Bregman is probably, if we're just talking hitters, the sixth best hitter after the obvious five that we talk about. And in fact, in a points league, you could probably even justify taking him over somebody like Acuna. But I have a hard time in a Roto League taking him over Turner just because Turner's going to carry you in that ultra-scarce category. Would either of you take Bregman over Acuna in a points league? Like, Bregman was the number one hitter in points leagues last year. Uh, so 
and he's been a top six hitter in points leagues two years in a row. Why? Because of the plate discipline. He has great plate discipline. Uh, he had 119 walks, 83 strikeouts. That's insane. So, yeah, would you, would either of you actually do that, take Bregman over Acuna? And I, and I guess if the answer is yes, how high would you take? Would you take him over Bellinger? Would you take him over Betts? I have him behind Acuna. But I can see the case for taking him over Acuna. I mean, you just played it out. He was number one last year. Now, he wasn't number one on a per-game basis. I think uh, Trout and Yelich were better than him per game. Uh, he was probably better than Bellinger per game. I think but I would Acuna take him. was definitely lower. Uh, yeah, I, would, I don't see why you wouldn't take him over Acuna. I'm surprised that you wouldn't take him over Acuna in points leagues. Bregman, this is. Well, part of it's because I'm not sure we're going to see 41 home runs from Bregman again, just because that seems like the best case scenario for him power-wise. When Acuna, there's a good chance he even gets better, you know? Okay. Chris, how about but you? It's, it's close. It's interesting because, you know, something that I, I realized yesterday that I hadn't really seen before was Ronald Acuna was 36 in the majors in WOBA last season. And, you know, one thing that we've talked about a lot is points leagues kind of do a better job of capturing like a player's overall offensive impact than a roto league necessarily does because it's taking into account a lot more than just the, those five categories. And so... And it's weighing them more appropriately right now. Yeah, stolen but, bases are so inflated in five by five. So Acuna, you know, there's a, a case to be made that he might be a little bit overrated in that points format. So, I, yeah, you might be able to justify taking Bregman. It, the The better question might be why why wouldn't you take Bregman over? I agree. Uh, yeah, unless you think like Scott said that Bregman won't get better and, and Acuna will. And that, and then I'm wondering, well, how high should Bregman go in a Roto league? Cause he's not going to give you steals. So I, here's what I did. I took the first round hitters, the, according to fantasy pros, Roto, the top 12 hitters off the board, not including Fernando Tatis, because he's got 84 games as a big leaguer. Nobody thinks he's going to hit for that same average that he did last year. He had a very high BABIP. He had like a 30% home run to fly ball rate. He's just an interesting guy. We'll talk about him, but trout, Acuna, Yelich, Bellinger, Betts, Lindor, Bregman, Story, Arenado, Turner, Soto, yeah, Juan Soto, and Freddie Freeman. Those are your top 12 hitters, not including Tatis um, in ADP. Now, some of them give you steals. And, and Scott, you talk about how this is your chance to get steals with those four shortstops, Turner, Story, um, and Lindor, not Bregman, and Tatis. Yeah, but, Tatis I included in there, yep. Right, right. But, it, you know, we should note, Lindor has been more like 20 to 25 steals, whereas Turner could be 45 steals based on the last two years. could be 75 based on the years before that. <laughs> Story is more like Lindor, and Tatis was on pace for, I think, about 40 steals. So this is I want to bring this up about Lindor. You look at those top 12 hitters in ADP. Now, just last year, Lindor had the lowest on-base percentage the third lowest uh, uh, batting average, and the second lowest OPS. And he's only 20-25 steals right now. We know that's a tough stat to predict. But their offense might be getting worse. You know, two years ago, he had crazy counting stats. That didn't exactly happen last year. I know he missed some time. He's the first shortstop off the board. He's seventh off the board, Lindor. Bregman's 10th. Story's 11th. Turner's 12th. 
Tatis so they're very close. Yes. I don't get it. I mean, I actually like Lindor better in points leagues because he doubles all the time. Um, but his batting average is OBP. His generally as a hitter, he doesn't quite he hasn't quite measured up with the other elites. And I'm not sure twenty to twenty five steals is enough for me to take him that early. What do you think? Well, I would take Bregman over him and I would in a in both formats I would take Bregman over him and in a uh, Roto League I would take Trey Turner over him as well. I would take Trey Turner tops at the position in a roto league because the impact and steals is going to be so much greater. I realize you're sacrificing some power, but I have a lot of confidence in my ability to make up for that later. So I'm with you. I would rank Lindor third in roto and second in points and not first the way he's shown here. I think the more interesting debate really than him, Bregman and Turner is him and story. Yeah. They're very similar. I mean, story. I stories looks like the better bet for batting average, uh, just because of his environment. I mean, the stri- the discrepancy in strikeouts makes it funny to say that. But Lindor has kind of limited his BABIP ceiling by tapping into his power the way he does the past few years. So he's one of those low strikeout guys who, nonetheless, doesn't project for a particularly high batting average. So it's not a problem for him. I I kind of do feel like we haven't seen the very best of Lindor yet. And I feel like his bottom out potential is lower than stories. So that's why I rank him ahead of story. But if we're just talking about most likely scenario, story's most likely scenario is probably a little better than Lindor's. One thing I, I will point out that I, I don't think has been mentioned yet is with the exception of Ronald Acuna, is Francisco Lindor the only one of those 12 players who's likely to hit leadoff this season? I mean... Like, you talked about his counting stats two years ago being sort of unsustainable, but he's going to get a ton of uh, plate well, appearances. Runs, he he'll get, the runs, yeah, runs he'll get, no question. He led the majors in plate appearances in 2018. He led the AL in plate appearances in 2017. He was on a very similar pace last year. He's going to get a ton of opportunities, and I, I think I think that. I saw a report though that he might not hit leadoff this year. Yeah, but Chris, he had 74 RBIs in 143 games last year. In 2018, he had I don't know 92 RBIs in 158 games. That seems like a like a yeah no he was definitely had a, had a more counting stats per game in 2018. But you're right, no he is going to bat lead, he could bat leadoff. He's going to bat at the top of the order. He's going to get a ton of. Uh, plate appearances and opportunities. He's really good. But I just wonder, like, are 20 to 25 steals worth taking him over Freddie Freeman who or Nolan Arenado, who are just better hitters than him? Yeah. I, you think so? I've come to the conclusion that it is. Okay. I'm not comfortable with it because I feel like steals are pretty flaky, and particularly when you're talking about a guy with the upside for 20 to 25, you know, it doesn't take that much of a, a change in approach to really not be of much help in the category. But you, you can't pass up steals when you have the opportunity for them. So is Trey Turner a good enough hitter to justify, you know, a, a first round pick, maybe even like a top six pick in a Roto league? Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he's the, been inconsistent. It, he's been inconsistent, but the 
thing is he's been a consistently elite fantasy option despite that. Like we want him to be more than he has been, but in terms of per 150 game Roto scoring last year, he was the number four hitter behind Yelich, Tatis, and Acuna. That that's what the ability to steal 40 plus bases does. And I mean, it's not like he's a zero everywhere. He's going to score a ton of runs. He's going to hit 20 ish homers. He's probably going to have a good batting average. Like he's a legitimate four category guy. And the one thing to keep in mind with him would be the potential for him to hit third in the lineup and what that might mean for his stolen bases. It would probably mean more RBI. It would probably mean, mean fewer runs. But the biggest thing would be he just may not run as much. And if that's the case, then I do think you probably are taking on some risk with him in that oh, yeah. you know, six to eight range. Yeah. If he's a if he's a 25 to 30 steal guy, he's probably not the kind of hitter who does enough else well to overcome being a good but not great stolen base source. And I'll say Trey Turner in a head-to-head points league is possibly the best value you're going to see because he's going 58th, 59th overall, and he's actually a stud. Uh, Points per game last three seasons. This is not a shortstop. This is overall hitters. 7th, 21st, 13th for Trey Turner. So people think, oh, he's a steal specialist. Actually, he's just a great all-around player. Uh, So, you know, draft him in points leagues if you can get him. I think even round three is good. I mean, you might be drafting pitchers at that point, but gosh, if he's there in round four, that's just such a steal. Uh, but I, you know, his OPS in four seasons has been all over the place. Like he's had two years, 2017, 2018, it was under 800. So, you know, last year was a pretty good year for him, but you guys seem to think uh, that he is absolutely worth an early pick, a first round pick. And in a roto league, overall, where do you take Trey Turner? Because Scott, you said he's your first shortstop. So when mm-hmm. do you take him? Do you take him ahead of Garrett Cole? I believe I have him ahead of Garrett Cole. Yes, I think I would do that. There are there are more opportunities to get an ace-like pitcher than there are to get a forty steal guy potentially who won't won't drain you in other categories. All right, I think that was a fairly general strategy discussion there. It starts with the first round. There's a lot of stars, as Scott has mentioned. So how about uh, who do you find yourself drafting often, Chris? Carlos Correa, for sure. I, I, I would say Carlos Correa is probably my most drafted player this season. I haven't gone through and confirmed that, but you know he's the 14th shortstop off the board on average right now, and... I just think there's monster potential. There's there's the potential. I think the steals are probably gone, but there's four categories stud potential there. Of those 14 shortstops, there's three that are eligible at second base. So that's still the... So if you played all of them at second, that's still the 11th shortstop off the board at Correa. And where has he ranked in OP? So he had 280 at-bats last year. Uh, I think that was a career low. Where is he ranked, or at least in the last five seasons? Last five seasons, minimum 280 at-bats. This has been his OPS rank among shortstops. First, sixth, first, 18th, and third. Bad year in 2008. Bad year. 2018. Other than that, he's been basically an elite hitter at the shortstop position, Carlos Correa. But he can't stay healthy. Scott, who do you draft a lot? 
I who do you think I draft? Who who was the guy who wildly exceeded expectations Marcus Simeon. last year? Nobody trusts. Yeah, Marcus Simeon. <laughs> That's my mo. <laughs> Clearly, um, I mean he was in some years in a league where Mike Trout doesn't exist. He might have been the league MVP last year, and you can get him in round eight eight on average. Uh, I. It's another one of those situations where it's like, okay, the track record doesn't back this up, but the supporting numbers do. And especially in the second, for for the whole year, his plate discipline was much better than in the past. The walks were up, the strikeouts were down. And in the second half, he took it, he turned it up a notch by um, making higher quality contact, the kind of contact that is most conducive to production in today's environment. More line drives, more fly balls or to put it more succinctly, fewer ground balls. And uh, that's really when he went from being, okay, this looks like a breakout season for Simeon to, oh my goodness, this guy's an MVP candidate. I don't know if it'll entirely hold up, but I imagine enough of it will to merit an eighth round pick and for him to be a perfectly fine starter for you, even at this star-studded position. Okay, how would you rank Marcus Simeon, uh... Carlos Correa and Bo Bichette. I believe uh, that's that's a tough one because I str- I struggle with that trio in most every draft, um, and I usually wait you know for what? the last gonna, one, and it usually ends up being Simeon. I'm gonna make it a keep getting I'm gonna make it a group of four: Machado, Marcus Simeon, Bichette, and uh, Correa. Seems like you're, they're pretty even for you, Scott. So Machado's definitely last. Oh, last. He goes first in ADP. Yep, he is one of the most overdrafted players, I think. By about 35 spots ahead of Carlos Correa and ADP. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But one, uh, The best ability is availability, I guess. That's the argument for Machado. But, yeah, Correa's probably a better hitter. So, Chris, how would you rank them? Machado, Bichette, Simeon, and Correa. That's how they go in ADP. Oh, boy. Correa, Bichette, Machado, Simeon. I have them directly opposite of ADP. I have Correa, Simeon, Bichette, Machado. Okay. Okay, but the, at least th- those first three for you, Correa, Simeon, Bichette, are very even, Scott. That's what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Now, there are, they're not the same player. There are different concerns for each of them. Um, Correa, I'm... Like, if, if, if it wasn't his back, specifically, back injuries have a history of uh, altering the course of players' careers and that he's already having them in his mid-20s makes me a little concerned. But at the same time, I think this is great value for him where he tends to go. Okay, Just I- Because it's, it's a situation where somebody has to get pushed down at a star-studded position and it's easy to push him down. And I'll say a shortstop that I will be drafting a lot is Corey Seager. Yep. And, you know, he's like a round 13 pick or something like that. So I think he can be great still. I'm willing to give him a pass coming off Tommy John surgery. He got off to a slow start, and then he got really hot. And then he went back on the IL, went on the IL and was okay after the IL stint. But, you know, especially if you're in a points league and you don't have to worry about categories, or if you're in a categories or a roto league and you've already locked up steals or something like that, and you don't need a category standout, just a good all-around player. I think that's going to be Corey Seager and just... Terrific value on him. Who are you avoiding in drafts, Chris? 
I'm not drafting Fernando Tatis this year uh, at this cost. The one thing that does give me pause is, um, you know, I was I was on a podcast. I think it was Jeff Erickson from RotoWire who said that the argument for drafting Fernando Tatis that I found most compelling was this could be the last year he's this cheap, and that that could be a really good argument. Like it's not necessarily a statistical argument, but it's a it's basically an argument about the pedigree and the type of talent he is. Yes, there are a lot of reasons to believe that what he did in 2019 was fluky. He was also 20. Right. He's also <laughs> an incredibly talented player. He's also a player who put up really, really good production in the minors at an incredibly young age. So what he did last year, while it's not sustainable, that's only assuming that the, the baseline skill level doesn't improve. Um but it's just not a risk I'm willing to take. Somebody else in my draft is going to like him in every single league that I do. ADP for Fernando Tatis is 16th overall. So yeah. when would you guys, that's Roto ADP. He's a very different value in points. When would you guys be comfortable taking Tatis in Roto? And then I'll ask points. But first, where, when in Roto would you, when in, when in Roto, <laughs> would you uh, take Tatis? Like when in Rome, you know? Probably more like in the third round. Yeah, it's it's that for me too. And Bogarts or Tatis? I'd rather have Tatis. I, you have to because of the steals, but it's I hate I hate that that's the case because Tatis is somebody I'm also avoiding. He's somebody he's he's kind of the headliner of my bust column, um, partially because he is going 16th overall, which is very high. I I understand there's. There is a world, um, a timeline in which he ends up becoming a top five player in fantasy. And so maybe you could view 16th overall as a discount. But, you know, 16th overall is already assuming he's a stud. Um, and he was for half a season. But just kind of get to get into the reasons Chris was referring to about why we're unsure of the sustainability of it. He had a 410 BABIP. And we all know that's... Excessive. Yep. He had a 259 XBA despite being a 317 hitter. That's a huge gap in expected batting average versus actual batting average. His ex Woba was only 345. I mean, that's not that's not the kind of Woba you you would think of of an early round player contributing. So, if we're if we're trusting the numbers to normalize, he has to steal bases. He'll probably steal bases, but he kind of stopped stealing bases over the course of last season. It was front loaded, his stolen base total, um, which maybe injuries played a part in, but the, the, the way where, when the steals fell off, doesn't really line up with when he was coming back from injuries. So I'm, I'm not sure it may have been a decision thing. A, a lot of times, a lot of middle of the order bats have the capability of stealing a lot of bases and they just don't because it's not worth, they're too important for the lineup to expo- to the lineup to expose them to that risk. Um, so at, at some point, if Tatis is a good hitter, he's going to stop running and it may already be happening. And, uh-huh. and then in, you think then so? what I mean, was the use of that? Why can't, overall pick? why can't he be a good hitter who also runs? I mean, he, he can be. Yeah. So, so let's, like, let's do this. You let's, can't assume anything. You can't assume anything for Tatis. Let's he do this. He could hit 300 and go 30, 30. <laughs> he could hit 250 and go, like 2010, you know? Oh, okay, let's play over-unders. 
270 batting average. Tatis. Over. I'll take the under. Uh, 30 home runs. I'll go over on that. But we're assuming health even in that case. 155 he games. Suffered, he uh, suffered two style of play injuries last year. Uh, so I'm I'm going to take the under. No, 100, sorry. 155 games. I'm guaranteeing you that. You're guaranteeing it? Yeah. Okay, then over. Okay, 35 home runs. Under. Uh, all right. 200 runs plus RBIs. Push. He's going to get exactly that. I'd take the over. <laughs> I, I would take the under. 155 games, I think he'd be able to do that. And finally, 30 steals. Under. Under. Right. I make it 25. I'm not making it 25. Make it 30, buddy. Okay, okay so under. Chris said Tati. Scott, is there another shortstop you're avoiding? Uh, Let me think here. Without Trotto. a Javier Bias. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's pretty interesting. He basically did exactly what he did. Very close to what he did in 2018, again in 2019, just with like 10 fewer steals. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, I thought he might be a little bit discounted this year, but he's I, probably not. He's like a round four pick, Javier Baez. Why not? Yeah. Why no Baez? I don't know. Why is everybody just ignoring this, the drop-off in steals there? It's not like he had a good success rate on the ones he he did get. So I, I don't I don't understand. Like, I look at the shortstops going after him in some cases 40 picks after him like that you know the Correa's and Simeon's of the world and I think there's a very good chance they're better than Javier Baez this year so I don't know why you would pay up for that if you can't count on stolen bases and of course in a points league I understand he's probably not going 40th overall in a points league but terrible plate discipline player so that's another reason to avoid him there yeah I mean he missed some time last year, but even if you look at just the, the 150 game pace for Roto and you take out all players who didn't play at least 100 games, he was still the 42nd best hitter per 150 games last season. That's not including any pitchers. And he's being drafted 40th overall right now. So that kind of tells you that you're the, the ADP right now seems to be baking in a return to 2018 levels kind of across the board because he was like 95% as good everywhere and then he stole fewer bases half as many bases I think if he steals 20 but he stole 11 if he steals 20 bases if Javier Baez steals 20 bases he's probably going to be a good pick in the fourth round if he steals 10 he's he might not be when it's kind of a strange thing to say it's only 10 steals but what you get across the board 289 batting average, 30 home runs, you know, good runs plus RBIs. Yeah, I think you can get that from all those shortstops Scott just mentioned. I mean, maybe not those numbers exactly, but similar type of production. You can get that round several rounds later. Okay. Um, I want to talk about a group of shortstops. We'll do sleepers, breakouts, and busts in a little bit. But, you know, the FOMO of not having Correa or Biggio or... Um, Simeon, whatever. Let's go a little bit later. And there are guys who are in their mid-20s right now who might, do they have breakout potential? So the first name on the list is Corey Seager, and he's the first one that gets drafted of this group. And I I think we all can make a pretty easy case for him, right? Like, Corey Seager's definitely got some big upside, right? Of course. Okay. Yeah. He's he's someone who isn't going to steal bases, and so that kind of holds his 
ultimate ceiling down in this era, but he has very legitimate potential to be uh, a four-category contributor and a stud in batting average, RBI, and runs. The The biggest question for me is whether he unlocks the raw power because the raw, the raw power is definitely there. He's just a guy who hits a few too many balls on the ground to really be a 35 homer guy. If he could become a 35 homer guy, you know, I, I've made the comp a few times, but he could be Freddie Freeman. Okay. It's, it's interesting because last year, obviously it was disappointing the overall production, but he, he did greatly improve his fly ball rate. It was by yes. far the highest of his career. And uh, in a way that's good. It wasn't so excessively high that it's going to hurt his batting average. Um, but I think he just didn't have the strength yet coming back from that, from Tommy John. I think it really did pick up over the course of the season, though, because seven of his 19 home runs came in September. First 40 games, Corey Seager had a 666 OPS. He was awful. The next 26 games, he got super hot, uh, 1,056 OPS. Then he went on the IL with a hamstring strain. When he came back, he played 68 more games, and he was fine. I uh, batted 266 with uh, 11 home runs in 68 games. That's an 806 OPS. It's fine. But I think he's capable of more. In 2017, he got off to a really hot start, 924 OPS in the first four months of the season. And then I think he was playing with like a back injury or something, and he was awful the final two months. But anyway, you know, pedigree, whatever. Corey Seager, we like him. Good value. Now, the other 25. guys... I wanna, I wanna, he's 25. Let's not... Yeah. It seems it seems like we've been talking about him forever, right. but he's still only 25. All these guys are young. No no older than 27. At least this will be their age 27 season. So here they are. Jorge Polanco. A lot of doubles and triples. A lot of fly balls. Doesn't strike out much and was a top 12 shortstop last year. Tim Anderson. He's got an 81% career success rate on steals. If this guy wants to be among the league leaders, he can be. And he is for like for like three weeks at a time every year. And then he stops. <laughs> Uh, Paul DeYoung, he certainly has improved his plate discipline. His his walk rate's gone up two straight years. His K rate's gone down two straight years. And then Ahmed Rosario, pretty good after the All-Star break. Uh, batted 319, slugged 453. He, he probably needs to get traded because he sucks at City Field. But he's another guy who seems to be making like incremental improvement here. So have I said any names that you think could be mid to late round breakouts other than Seager? Polanco, Tim Anderson... Paul DeYoung, Ahmed Rosario. I mean, Anderson already was. Uh, nobody really buys it, and that's partially a an example of how sharp the fantasy baseball community has gone because a guy coming off a 335 average with 18 homers and 17 steals and, you know, I think 120-something games. Yep, 123. probably a third-rounder a decade ago, and we've just kind of we've gotten sharp enough to know that what he did last year wasn't necessarily sustainable, but he did make real improvements. He hit the ball a lot harder last year than he ever had before. His average exit velocity was almost three miles per hour up over the previous year. His hard hit rate was up about 8%. He cut his strikeout rate. Like there were improvements across the board for Tim Anderson that make you think that he could legitimately hit 285. And if he does that, it's not a stretch to think he could hit 15 homers and steal 30 bases. I think it's a stretch that he could steal 30 bases because he's never come close. He, he only in 
26. We always 26, talk about him as a great ago. steel source. He only has one twenty steel season in four four years as a major leaguer. He had seventeen last year. Well, look um, at his games played: ninety nine, one forty six, one fifty three, one twenty three. So he's only had two like pretty full seasons. In those two seasons, he stole fifteen bases and twenty six bases. But it's obvious that he could do it if he wants to. I mean, stole twenty in twenty eighteen with a two eighty one on base percentage. Yeah, but that's the outlier, and well, it's only twenty six. So I understand the bat oh, on base percentage was low. The on base percentage is always going to be low relative to the batting average. I mean, he had a three fifty seven OBP despite a three thirty five batting average last year. I agree he has legitimately improved as a hitter. He changed his approach against breaking balls last year, which probably explains a lot of what we see in the StatCast data. His XBA was 294, still 30 points down from the actual mark, but um, 40 points. But yeah, I just I don't think the steals potential is high enough that the batting average... Like I I look I look at him and I see a similar player to Tommy Edmond, but I feel like Tommy Edmond's steals potential is higher. What about Polanco, DeYoung, or Rosario? Do you have any? Do you want the like we want Corey Seager? Do you want any of these other guys? Polanco's like my ultimate. I've really not paid attention to shortstop, and now I need a starter still. Oh look, Jorge Polanco's still there. I, I don't really see him getting much better than last year, but I think what he did last year was is certainly going to be enough for you to, uh, you know, if you're strong, if you're strong at other spots, then that that's a perfectly fine starter at shortstop. What Polanco showed he was last year. Okay, then let's do sleepers, breakouts, and busts, and then we'll get into average draft position. You feel like, oh, we have to talk about Adalberto Mondesi. Ooh, he's fun. Let's talk about Adalberto Mondesi. Then we'll do sleepers, breakouts, and busts. And we haven't talked about Bo Bichette either. Just too many guys, too many players to talk about. Um, give me uh, give me 30 seconds each on Adalberto Mondesi, starting with you, Scott. He's probably going to lead the majors in steals if he stays healthy. I'm not confident he's going to do anything else well. And I think the 42 uh, ADP, 42 overall, that, that price tag is too high considering... Uh, terrible plate discipline. Contact is not optimized for power or, or really anything. And that it, it it got worse after looking like he was improving in 2018. It got worse last year. Chris, 30 seconds on Mondesi. You can't just play the if he had just stayed healthy game with him because he played 113 games between the majors and his minor league rehab assignment in 2019. That was his most in a season since 2013. I believe that is not a typo. Um, Part of that, I think he had a steroid suspension one year, but for the most part, he just has not been able to stay healthy in his career. And it's been about as consistent an injury track record as anyone. He's coming back from shoulder surgery now. But again, if he does manage to stay healthy, he's probably going to hit 15 to 20 homers and steal 60 bases. 30 seconds on Bo Bichette, Scott White. I mean, what he did is obviously unsustainable if you're asking him to do that over a full season, but I think the skills are in place for him to be a contributor in batting average, maybe not 311, but you know, high 200s with all the power you would want from the position. What's, what's going to be most interesting for him is if he starts running like he did 
in the minors. He had a 30 steal year in 2018 in the minors. Um, was only four for eight in his 46 games last year. But if he becomes a relevant contributor in steals, I mean, it's it's almost a bonus whatever he gives you with the bat at uh, the point he's going. He's going to lead off for the Blue Jays, and he hit 311 with 11 home runs in 46 games with 18 doubles. He was really good. Chris, uh, we took a little long there. 15 seconds on Bo Bichette. I'm probably not going to draft him at his current cost as a six-round pick. I, I see what everyone likes about him. I'm just not sure it's quite there. You couldn't have asked for much more than what he did as a rookie, but I just think he might be more of like an, a 2020 guy um, than a true superstar. He also may pass his father in career wins above replacement by like June. <laughs> Scott, uh, favorite sleeper shortstop this year? So shortstop is a position where I feel like everything is basically gone right. And so it's hard to find this as opposed to it is to find as opposed to finding busts. But um, my sleeper shortstop is Dansby Swanson, who about midway through last season, we were considering him among the big breakouts at the position. And, oh, there's way too many shortstops to go around in a 12-team league. This is a guy you're going to have to start in your utility spot. And then everything just collapsed because of a bruised heel that plagued him for the entire second half. But the improvements seem to be legitimate. He changed his approach. He uh, expected numbers because he slumped after suffering that injury. His expected numbers far exceed his actual numbers to XBA 20 points better than his actual BA, XWOBA 30 points better than his actual WOBA. Uh, he looks like somebody who could hit 275, 280 with 25 home runs and 10 to 15 steals. Okay, Dansby Swanson for Scott. Chris, sleeper. Mauricio Dubon. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He appeared in 30 games uh, with the Giants and Brewers last season. There is 20-plus steal potential here. He stole 30 bases in every season from 2015 through 2017. Um, probably not going to give you too much with the bat in Oracle Park, but if he hits 270 and steals 20 plus bases, maybe even 30 bases, uh, that's a valuable late round player. I should point out he's only second base eligible on CBS and that's the position he's John Birdie. Okay. John Birdie. Yes. The 30 year old sleeper who, yeah, who can't hit, but he was okay last year and he runs for the Marlins. Um, who's your favorite breakout shortstop, Scott? I'm going to say Corey Seager, just because I have a hard time finding anybody who fits that description. Uh, it, it seems like more of a bounce back, but there may be some untapped potential there. Chris? Scott took mine. It was Corey Seager. So let's get into birdie a little more. Is... Is Lourdes Gurriel, we talked about him on second. No, he's just yeah. outfield. He's just outfield. Okay, you want to yeah. get into Birdie? Let's, little Birdie let's, told me that John Birdie is 30 years old, was pretty horrible in the minors until he was like 29 in the PCL. And, uh, yeah, and he, stole 17 bases. You said bases. he steals some bases. He stole 17 bases in 73 games last year. Yes. I mean, that's not some. That's it's good. I, I feel like he's being totally undervalued as a, as a steals specialist is probably going to hit double digit home runs. I, it, it seems like the plan is for him to play every day, just kind of bouncing all over the place. Right. 
Yeah, but he could be an awful hitter. I mean, that's the thing. He could, but there's also a, an outcome where he's not that much worse than Tommy Ed. And he's like free. Yeah, he's free. Is the thing. So Birdie, he's for the plays for the Marlins. He's going to be eligible everywhere basically because he's going to play all over the place. He's going three hundredth overall, and yeah, he's free. I I wouldn't make my draft strategy that John Birdie's going to be my steals guy because I think he could hit so poorly that he doesn't play. But sure. okay. I think Fair. yeah, I think if you if he's your bonus steals guy at the end, that's. I'm definitely gonna do. Like, I am gonna do that. <laughs> you're you're yeah. right. I mean, you're right to bring him up. He should be a uh, he should be a bench draft guy, but you should absolutely not let him go undrafted if you're in a league where people are passing him by. Okay, let's do busts then, Chris. I'll let you go first so Scott doesn't steal your idea. Um, Manny Machado. Now th- there are reasons to believe that he could be better than he was last season. You know, he had like an 840 OPS. In early August when he got hit on the elbow, I believe, by a pitch and kind of his season kind of went in the tank after that. But the thing that really stands out for me with Manny Machado is he might have already started declining or not not even declining, but we maybe ignored some warning signs when he was with the Dodgers and wasn't that same elite guy. For his career, he's hit 267, 323, 449 as his triple slash line away from Camden Yards. I usually don't want to uh, you know, penalize guys too much for their road performance because everybody performs worse on the road on the whole, but he's also got an 805 OPS with a 261 average since being traded away from the Orioles in July of 2018. So it kind of looks like that might be what he is, which is a low average, good power guy who doesn't steal bases and, at this point, it's not that hard to find those guys. Yeah, counting stats are big for him because you know in in his heyday, Machado was getting a ton of runs, ton of RBIs. Last year was like eighty, eighty five of each, mm-hmm. and that you know that's just I don't know, just maybe not getting on base as much. Hit like two fifty six last year. I think he's still a pretty good player. I'm just surprised that he's not more of an eighth or ninth round draft pick. I'm surprised he's a fifth round draft pick. That shocks me. So. That you know, that's confusing yeah. to me. The downgrade for him versus the downgrade for Carlos Correo doesn't make sense because Correa actually performed last year. He didn't right. stay healthy, but he actually did what you want to see from Carlos Correa, and that's that's a bigger deal to me than how many games he played. Especially because it seems likely that neither one of them's going to really steal bases anymore at this point. Sure. Yeah. God, who's your bust? Elvis Andrews, I think, is Exhibit A for the desperation we're seeing for stolen bases in drafts because he does, he looks like he doesn't have much of anything left as a hitter. Um, he was incredible last April, but the rest of the year he hit 256 with a 640 OPS. And that was after a year when he hit 256 with a 675 OPS. So there's just nothing there with the bat. And he's a shortstop with a lot of mileage. So it, it makes sense that he's beginning to decline here in his early thirties. He did happen to steal 31 bases last year, though. And I assume that's why people are still drafting him in the 120 range. But that was his first season with 30-plus steals since 2013. It's not like you can pencil him in for that number. I, I, 
I feel like John Burt, like I, I know you said Johnny Burt, John Birdie shouldn't be your plan for stolen bases, but if your plan is Elvis Andrews, I think you should audible and go for John Birdie instead because I feel like I, I there I, I would project them for similar numbers, if not Birdie a little better. John You're, yeah, Elvis Andrews should not be your plan for steals. He is on notice. I mean, he had to lose weight. I guess he was out of shape last year. They're pissed. They they are not happy with what they're getting from Elvis Andrews. And yeah, he Scott's right. He's declining and he's not a good hitter anymore. So yeah, I, you can't sit there. Well, I'm just going to take Elvis Andrews and be fine with steals. No, no, no. I will say like he, this was his first 31 steal season since 2013 kind of overstates the case a little bit like 2018. He didn't run at all. But before that, he had at least 24 steals in four seasons before that 42 steal, the 2013 season. Yeah, but tw- a 20 steal, like a 30 steal guy and a 20 steal guy is a big difference. And- right, but he wasn't a 20 steal guy. He was a 20, 27, 25, 24, 25, 2018 well, outlier, and then 31. I, I mean, I see that as the difference between a stolen base contributor, one of several that you're going to need. And somebody who's mostly going to carry you in the category. With six steals? Well, I mean... You never know how it's going to work I, in I Roto. I think of them in terms of ranges as opposed to an exact number. But I, I think because there, it, it begins with the three for Andrews last year, people are going to see him as yeah. being a, a step above like the Lindor, Trevor Story class of base stealer. If you just want someone who's going to help you with steals, just take Ahmed Rosario, right? I mean... He'll give you somewhere in the 20s. And he might actually be good because he's still young. Or take Tim Anderson. Uh, but Tim Anderson goes in like the ninth round. Rosario is a pretty late. Rosario was also a lot worse than than Elvis Andrews last season. Uh, Well, not as, not as a hitter he wasn't. As a fantasy player. Like Elvis Andrews was the number Cause, 45 player. Because he stole Roto. 31 bases, yes. But... But he's but he's so on the decline. Wait, take Tommy Edmond, or I don't know if Garrett Hampson. Where Garrett Hampson's eligible on our site, but it depends what site you're on. The other thing I was saying is like six six to ten steals is so weird in a roto league. You don't know what that's gonna do. That could move you up four spots in those standings, or it could be nothing. You could be up ten steals on the next person. Yeah, it's just like it's just weird. Roto's crazy. So let's go to ADP. We haven't talked about Xander Bogarts yet. ADP is Lindor, Bregman, Story, and Turner, all his top 12 picks. This is Roto ADP. Uh, Scott likes Turner number one in Roto and Bregman number one in points. Fernando Tatis is 16th. Gleyber Torres is in round three, and so is Xander Bogarts. They go very, very close to each other. Who would you guys rather have, Bogarts or Torres? Bogarts. (laughs) What'd you say, Chris? Torres? Torres. What's the argument there for, for well, I don't want to make this a Glaber Torres discussion, but against Bogarts, I guess, because, I mean, it, the plate discipline is so much better. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. 33 homers, though, and Torres probably out-homer him, I guess. I mean, he might out-homer him by 10. I don't really buy Bogarts as a 33-homer guy. I think he probably goes back to being more of a low 20s homer guy. The lineup's going to be worse around him without Mookie Betts. And yeah, the plate discipline was better last year, but what if he also regresses to being more of a 50 to 55 walk guy, which is where he was his entire career before last season? Basically, Bogarts, I mean, he's a good player, but we never really viewed him as 
a borderline elite fantasy option until after 2019. It just feels like yeah. a lot being put on a, you know, a, a career year. Right. I, I think I want to point out, though, and I pointed this out when we did the position preview last year, I'm pretty sure. His plate discipline started to get a lot better the last two months of 2018. He had a 941 OPS. He had 24 walks to 30 strikeouts, and it continued in the playoffs. He struggled in the playoffs. Horrible, actually, but he had seven walks to eight strikeouts. And I just think that's typically the sign of a guy who's improving, you know, just recognizing the strike zone better. You look at all the lead hitters, basically, in, in fantasy, the ones we're drafting with the first five picks. They have that in common, except for Acuna. Uh, but if we were to pull that string a little further, he had at least 15 walks in each of the first three months of last season, and then not eight, ten, and nine the following three months. So it just, it kind of seems like it's just noise. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of signal there. I don't know. It seems like a guy. Oh, I mean, it seems like a guy who's clearly made strides with his walk to strikeout ratio. I, I mean, I, I'm nervous to take him because he doesn't steal. So if he declines and you take him in the third round, mm. probably going to be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, the easy answer is I'm probably not going to get any of Torres and <laughs> and Bogarts, uh, and Bogarts <laughs> except maybe in an auction where they're just where the bid just stays really low, but. Uh, in, in the draft, which you can anticipate better, I anticipate getting neither. All right, moving on then in average draft position again. This is Roto ADP, and I think shortstop is a position, unlike first and, and second base, well, let's say this, more difference in your Roto versus points league ADP. There's just, you know, because there's so many steals at the position. Javier Baez and Adalberto Mondesi and Cattell Marte, who's not shortstop eligible on our site, are in round four. I know Scott likes Marte the best there, but if you were looking at Baez and Mondesi, you're probably passing on both, but who would you prefer? Mondesi. I'm sorry, Mondesi and who? Javier Baez. Well, if we're talking a roto context, I need the steals a lot more. Yeah, I can get Baez's production from another shortstop later. At the point where Mondesi is is coming off the board, how many steals studs are left? Malik Smith, like Starley Marte is gone, and you know all the first round hitters are gone. It, I, he might be your last chance to have a true standout. Well, Malik Smith will be there. VR goes around later. VR, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I think in a Best case scenario, Garrett Hampson and maybe even Tommy Edmond mm-hmm. are 30-plus steals guys. Uh, but, yeah, it's, I mean, they're just, it's just a handful of 40-plus steals guys in the entire player pool. So, yeah, I mean, right. honestly, that's, that's the biggest reason why he goes as high as he does. Tell Marte, Jonathan VR. All right, then we got, I'll just go like five at a time. We could probably skip this group, but Machado, Bichette, Simeon, Correa, skip them. So let's go to Anders, Tim Anderson, Eduardo Escobar, Danny Santana, Corey Seager, Tommy Edmond. That's Tim A Ander- lot of these guys aren't shortstop eligible. I, I don't know where Fantasy Pros gets its eligibility <laughs> requirements from, but like they have, they have Danny Santana as eligible everywhere, and it's just first and outfield on our site. So Escobar, Eduardo Escobar is not shortstop eligible. Edmund isn't. Yahoo has very uh, generous positional designations, so it might, might be. 
Yes. If at any point in time you threw to a particular base, you are eligible there in Yahoo! <laughs> All right, so then let's let's modify it. <clears throat> Tim Anderson, Corey Seager, Tommy Edmond. No, not Edmond. Tim Gavin Anderson, Lewis. Corey Seager, Jorge Polanco, Elvis Andrews. There you go. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to end up with a lot of shares, I hope, of Corey Seager and probably also a lot of Jorge Polanco. Like, nobody wants Jorge Polanco. It's incredible how how far he... I, I understand the ADP here is pretty close, but my personal experience is Jorge Polanco like, might go in the round 20 range. He just Nobody values him at all. Yeah. There's going to be a moment where Tim Anderson steals eight bases in 12 games and he's on like a 60 steal pace and we're going to go, is he a sell high candidate? And some are going to be like, yeah, he's not going to steal 30 bases. And then someone's going to be like, what if he does? What if this (laughs) is the year? So White Sox are so frustrating in that regard because they have two guys who are clearly, I mean, really this year they, they have three guys who are clearly athletic enough in Tim Anderson, Yon Makata and Luis Robert to steal 30 plus bases, but they haven't let those guys run like that when they were bad. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. One of them steals 20. They all could steal 30, but I'm hopeful at least one of them steals 20. (laughs) There's also Nick Madrigal. Who's a base stealer. Whenever he takes over at second base. Okay, here we go back to the ADP Elvis Andrews round 13. Then we got Ahmed Rosario. Is Hampson shortstop eligible for us? No. Okay. Rosario. Segura. Oh, two guys I really want to talk about. Segura and Didi Gregorius. Ahmed Rosario, Gene Segura. Rosario. Gene Segura, Didi Gregorius, and Paul DeYoung. Look, Gabe Kapler's gone. If Gene Segura gets back to 20 steals, he's going to be a pretty solid player again. And Didi, if we're going to make all these excuses for... Well, just one excuse for... um, Corey Seager, Tommy John surgery. Let's make it for Didi Gregorius as well. And he was a top eight shorts, top 10 shortstop two years in a row before 2019. So Rosario, Segura, Gregorius, DeYoung, what's your take there, guys? Segura feels like a pretty good value. I, I think there's a, a decent chance he does get back to the, the 20 steel range. And if he does, you're talking about a probably a guy who's going to be a legitimate three categories with batting average and stolen bases being two of them, which are the two scarcest categories in the game right now. So yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance that Gene Segura is a very good bounce back candidate. And you've brought up a good point about Gregorius that he's, you know, like all of his home runs are to right field, but and now he's at a different ballpark. Still a good one though. Uh, you know, he has to Homer if he doesn't, he's in trouble, but, I, I yeah. think he's a perfectly fine $1 middle infielder in an auction league. It's such a deep position. You're not going to draft him if you mm-hmm. need one shortstop. But I like I like Didi two or three years ago. I was the only one. And I think I'm probably the only one who likes him now. <laughs> uh, Kevin Newman, Dansby Swanson. Scott talked about him. Carter Keboom. Uh, is he shortstop eligible? He is. He's only shortstop eligible, though, if he makes the team and looks like it's going to be at third base. And it looks like he's the favorite heading into spring training. He just has to perform to secure that job. So uh, 
definitely a sleeper there for deeper leagues or keeper leagues. How how about of the is, what about Magical? Where's his eligibility? Just second base. Okay, so Carter Keyboom, Willie Adamas, Luis Arias, and um, Nico Horner. You know who's who's the best of that bunch? Probably Keyboom, but there's like Keyboom. I I think has the best chance of being a well-rounded, just high-end player because. The all-around hitting skills are so good. Horner and Matt, did you say Madrigal, or who was the fourth guy? I don't know if I said Madrigal. <laughs> well, Horner <laughs> Horner right now is just a really good hit tool. Some people give him a chance of developing power, but um, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves there. I said I Luis Arias. Can... Arias, okay. I think Arias and, and Horner are kind of similar in that way, where you see how they could develop power, but... Their best skill right now is just putting the bat on the ball and hitting line line drives. And uh, that may not be enough for a mixed league uh, to make a mixed league impact in this environment at this deep position. But you get in anything deeper than that, once the playing time is there for them, I mean, they'll, they'll probably be decent enough contributors. What a position. And then we've got Nico Goodrum, Angelton Simmons. Jerickson Profar is Drupal Cabrera, Jose Peraza, Nick Ahmed. I don't know where these guys are eligible. I just know that they're middle infielders. And uh, Chris brought up Peraza. You know, he's going to play a lot at second base for the Red Sox potentially. He was like a top eight second baseman in fantasy two years ago. It was terrible last year, but could be some steals there. Yeah, and and Andrelton Simmons could be a guy who, you know, hits 290 and steals 15 bases. It's not a super enticing profile, but if you're playing in a Roto League, you know that could be a useful guy to have around on your bench. Simmons, deep deep points league. I think sure. he was the number five shortstop in points leagues a few years ago because he never strikes out. Yeah. So Want to hear my biggest mistake and the biggest mis- drafting mistake I made in fantasy last year? Yeah. In Tout Wars, probably like the round, so it's a 15-team Roto League and obviously high profile, probably around the round 22 to 24 range, I needed a shortstop still. And I opted for Andrelton Simmons over a guy who was shortstop eligible at the time by the name of Cattell Marte. <laughs> Ooh, you know, yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Once, a, <laughs> once a brave, always a brave. Andrelton Simmons. <laughs> I... I I kind of liked Marte too, but for some reason, I had D.D. Gregorius coming back from Tommy John surgery, and I figure, oh, he's going to be my shortstop eventually. I'll just get a safe guy, a guy who I know will have playing time until then. And it's, it was... uh, it's a defense-heavy league. <laughs> ah, of course. Well, thank you guys. Dumb. Good show. Thanks for helping me kind of get the stress out with shortstop. I feel much better about it now. we got third base tomorrow, and then we're going to have fun this weekend. We're going to party. And then we're going to come back with outfield and starting pitcher next week, plus like a mailbag slash news show in the middle of the week. For Scott and Chris, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you Friday on Fantasy Baseball Today. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.